Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio, podcast number 636. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because it'll help you feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I have a few small quick takes. Um, Kathy has something uh, aside from that, and then we want to talk about the summit. Yeah, well, first of all, so let's see. Today, this show is coming out on January 18th, and two weeks from today, not only will we be in our summit, like the summit will have begun, but my book comes out two weeks from today, February 1st. Hold on, sweetie. Thank you very much. Thank you. That, that applause doesn't seem big enough for this event. I know. I actually, this is funny. This weekend, Todd was gone. Uh, he had a men living uh, weekend, and I my books arrived. Yes. And I haven't even opened the box because I'm too nervous, which mm-hmm. seems dumb because I've seen it a thousand and one times, a million mm-hmm. times, um, but I just haven't opened the box yet. But I will. It's I'll exciting. look at it. It is. But the... So... That's good. So pre-order the book comes out in two weeks. It'll get shipped to you that day. But the summit, um, just a few things I want to clear up. Number one, um, the summit is not live. Okay. I keep getting um, emails, understandably, from people who are like, oh, wait, I want to see the speaker, but I'm going to be gone on Wednesday and I can't see the speaker. It's the summit is not in real time. It's on demand. So what the good language. Thank you. It's Thank you. on demand. So basically every day of the summit, the 31st through the 4th, you will get an email from us with three interviews. One interview is Todd and I talking about a chapter of my book, one of the chakras, because we go through the chakras, chakra one, two, three, four, five, and six and seven is extra content. You'll get, and then the, another one will be an email that, or not an email, an interview that we did with a speaker, and then another interview that we did with a speaker. And so you will get that every day, and you listen, as Todd said, on demand. So don't sweat the dates. The only reason the dates are important right now is that's when it begins, is on the 31st. And you can listen or watch them, correct? Correct, right. They're going to be on Vimeo. On Zoom, or yeah, Vimeo, sorry. So... So for those of you who are like concerned or I've gotten a few emails like, I'd love to do it, but I won't be around that week. You don't have to be around. You get to watch these on your time. Yes. So again, um, I would uh, encourage you to sign up. It's free. It's virtual. It's on demand. And if you buy my book, you get extra content, Chakra 6 and 7, plus some, you know, access to giveaway. So, and also, please spread the word. There is no, like, tell your friends. Be like, sign up for this thing. If somebody, and, like, last week, I think uh, we mentioned that Mike Domish, did we talk about this on the show last week? No, I don't think so. So we added a speaker because one of the questions, not there's so many questions that we get from parents about sex education. What are the right books? How do I talk to my kids about sex and relationships? Mike Domish is an expert. We've had him at our conferences in the our conference in the past, I think 2018. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how to talk to your kids about sex, relationships, consent, all of the all of the things that are, you know, important when you are parenting and raising a child. And he's now part of the conference. So Join, you know, we all kind of have different interests or things we're looking for. Join the summit, even if you're interested in one of them, and then you're going to get access to all these other things that you may not have realized that you'll appreciate and pull from. And um, this is how you do it. 
if you're listening on your smartphone, just mm-hmm. scroll into the show notes scroll of below. this podcast and you'll click on a link. It'll take you to the page. And all you do is first name, last name, email. That's it. Nothing else. No credit cards. We're not. This is this is a gift that Kathy and I are giving back to our community in celebration of this tremendous accomplishment that I want to acknowledge my sweetie for. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank and the you. name of the book is? Zen Parenting. Caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. So yeah. it's very timely. You know, Todd, something that I'll say is this book, this title, I think we came up with this title in 2020. Okay. It's been, you know, books take forever. And to when get you out say we, you're not talking about me. No, I'm not Let's talking about Let's be clear. I'm talking about my, pub, my agent, my publisher yes. and I. Okay. And I was thinking to myself at the time, I really wish this book was coming out sooner because I felt in 2020 that by 2022, when the book was coming out, that the pandemic would be over. Little did we know. And um, and again, even without the pandemic, uncertainty and unpredictability is always. But it's just so interesting that we're still in the midst of all of yes. this uncertainty. Yes. So that is the book. All right. Oops, I just moved my mic. Um, so I want to talk about the Zen Parenting moment called Individuation. Yeah, deep. Um, Barbara Scher. 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 Um, and the name of the book, I Could Do Anything If I Only Knew What It Was, How to Discover What You Really Want and How to Get It. Is that really the title of her book? Yes. You want to know what's funny about oh this gosh. book? my gosh. So I was on some kind of booze cruise thing with you in like, I don't know, it was my, our late 20s. And... We, I was sitting with two other women, two other, they're uh, wives of friends of mm-hmm. yours. And we were just talking about how work-wise we were kind of not feeling satisfied with what we were doing. And all three of us were like, we brought up this book. Oh, really? Yeah. And that we, and all three of us were using this book to kind of get to the next place. And so when I say the next place to make sure that we felt really in touch with what our work was. Um, should I read the quote? It's not, okay. How can families harm us when they love us very easily? Unfortunately, I didn't read that right. Very easily. Unfortunately, most of us overlook one important fact when we think love is enough, love and respect aren't the same thing. Love is fusion. As a baby, you belong to your parents. You're an extension of them. Respect is differentiation. You belong to yourself and you're an extension of no one. Differentiation is essential for happiness of adults. Yeah. So basically, I just used a quote from a book that it's you know been around forever. That book. Um, the point is that individuation is our ability to individuate from our parents. Okay. So it's our ability to find our own sense of self, our own center, our own north star. And I think a lot of the time when our children are doing the natural, appropriate developmental job of differentiating and individuating from us, we take it personally and we get offended. And we'll say things like, you didn't used to be interested in this. And when you didn't used to care about these things and you didn't used to want a different color hair and you didn't used to want a tattoo or you didn't used to listen to this type of music. And we, we somehow feel as if our children should stay the same mm-hmm. and not find their own way. Or maybe they do things like, you know, they've always been a big fan of a sports team with you. And then all of a sudden they're kind of interested in another sports team. And you're like, why are you doing that? Because it's boring if you want your kids to stay the same. Like get excited right. about the differences. Right. And, or get curious about it. Like sometimes it can be like, you're a Sox fan, right? So if the yes. kids were like, 
so who's the biggest competitor against the Sox? I'm trying to think. Besides the Cubs, like, um, um, what's the biggest Cardinals? I mean, no, Cardinals is Cubs. We don't really have one. I mean, we go up against the Twins all the time and the Tigers. And well, say that they jumped from instead of just choosing another Chicago team, they were like, "I'm a, I'm a Twins fan." Yeah, you'd maybe like what? And part of it might be about doing the opposite of you, sure. not to be a jerk, but to be like, "Okay, I've tried this on. Mm-hmm. Now I want to try this on." And there is, you know, I'm I'm using something like sports teams because that's not a huge deal to everybody, or maybe it is to some. Yeah, to but, some it is. Yeah, or but maybe it's about a political affiliation. Maybe it's about the type of books they like. Maybe it's a, that they don't like sports and mm. you do, or maybe it's that they don't like dance and you do, and allowing them that space to figure that out and staying curious about not not curious, like, how do I get them to change back, but curious about who they're becoming. Sweetie, you know who individuated beautifully? Who? He did. He did. Who are we talking about? Alex P. Alex P. Keaton. If you are anywhere between... I bet we've been together. Between 35, uh, I don't know, uh, at what point, how old do you have to be to appreciate family ties? Let's see, how old am I? I'm 50, and we were watching it in our teenage be, years. If you're 40 and up, you might know what it is. Yeah, it had syndication, so. So Alex B. Keaton, his parents were devout uh, liberals, and he loved Ronald Reagan and the Republican Party. Right, he, and I know these things can get a little dicey because things are a little different than they used to be, um, so I know it can sweetie, be... Sweetie, what are you trying to say? Let's let's get into that. <laughs> That's not... But... Um, I know n- there are some things that can be difficult or red flaggy, you know, where you're just kind of like, ah, I don't know about that. But even still, the advice is the same to be curious. Like, what is it that you're interested in? The, the reason why I'm saying that is I we did have somebody um, that it was someone who was on Team Zen who was very concerned because her child was becoming interested in some like white supremacist kind mm, of thing. I remember that, yeah. And she was like, this is very concerning. And and instead of it being like, oh, that's cute. I'm yeah. curious. It's more like, hey. Is this a wake up call? I'm really curious where you're getting your information. Yeah. So obviously there are extreme versions mm-hmm. of this where you really may need to step in and mm-hmm. say, I'm not telling you who to be, but I would like to be another resource for you. Yeah, have more discussions. Um, but so anyway, individuation and that actually that one is straight from my book. Yeah. I, I talk a lot. The third chakra is basically about individuation. It's understanding your sense of self. Um, the color is yellow. It's like the sun. It's who you are. Mm. It's your gut instincts. And individuation is a really important part of that because if you don't individuate, you end up blaming the world for everything because you don't have your personal sense of power. So when things happen, you blame other people versus like having the ability to understand you can create change. You can't change the world, but you can change your perspective. You can change your career. You can change what you say. But if you don't have that sense of self, you walk around looking at everybody else. Yeah, stand in your place of empowerment. Right. Um, before we get to the main topic, which I have no idea what it is because Kathy just usually comes up with them, I, am, I have two. One is a story and one is an idea okay. for parents. Um, so last night I was, I, I was uh, on a long weekend with my men living group. We had a wonderful transformative weekend. and So I haven't really connected with my family in a few days. So um, I was laying down with Skylar, my 14-year-old, and I didn't really, she didn't want to read and she didn't want to watch a show. And I asked her something. And I think a lot of parents 
this might be coming from Captain Obvious. All I said was, show me things on your phone. Mm. Just, and I think that's like just, I forget that that's like a good tool because I think kids like to show you things that they're, whether it's pictures or games or videos. So if you're, if there's anybody out there stuck right now, like, God, I'm really disconnected from my kid. I don't know what to do. Ask them like, what games do you like to play on your phone? Or show me some pictures of some of your friends or whatever it is. Or show me some awesome people that you follow. Mm. And and I try and do it really authentically. Like um, with my older daughter, all my girls love music, but my oldest daughter really kind of goes after new music. And so I'll be like, Who, some tell me someone you love right now and I want to follow them too. I want to listen to their music. And it's hit or miss. Like mm-hmm. some some of the artists I'm like all in and some of them I'm like, eh. Um, but I'm interested in what they're interested in. Yeah. So it's like, I love that idea of being like, if you're laying down bored, just being like, show me things and also just make it a habit. Mm-hmm. Like who, who, you know, like obviously we have a daughter. We just came from a brunch with our daughter and she loves Marvel and just really has a lot of viewpoints, opinions about why Marvel is the most amazing thing. That's Especially when she had a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, she was talking a lot. Um, and and I, it's interesting to me because her reasons are not just it's good. It's She's got some deep reasons, mm-hmm. the interconnectivity, the how people work together, background stories, history. Like it's really deep to well, her. And I also want to age myself for a second here. I, um, you sometimes use TikTok, sweetie. I do. I want, I and I was like just looking over your shoulder and, or no, maybe it was, maybe it was one of the other kids, but. No, you were looking at mine because you kept saying it was boring. So boring. So I challenged the girls to, I invited the girls to say, show me something that's either really funny or inspiring or interesting. Like, why is this? I keep hitting my mic. I know. And it's making weird sounds. Why is this like satisfying? And I, I stand firm. Of course there's exceptions, but. I don't understand why TikTok is so great. I'm missing, I'm an old man. Well, I'm missing it. First of all, you were looking over my shoulder. I had my earphones in so you couldn't hear it. True. And a lot of TikTok is audio of people saying things, of clips from movies, of songs. And the thing about TikTok that's interesting is the consistency, meaning there are certain, as you know, this is kind of old school because I haven't seen a lot of dances lately, um, but there used to be dances and everybody else would do, everyone would do their version of a dance, mm-hmm. right? And so that was fun to like see the same song, different people doing the same dance. It's the same thing with whatever kind of challenges are out there. And I'm not talking about negative TikTok challenges and scary things. I'm yeah. talking about things like, you know, for some reason on my, I don't, I don't follow a lot of people. So I basically get the exact same things over and over again. So a lot of Taylor Swift stuff and cause I follow my daughter. So I get anything that she's following. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot of Taylor Swift stuff and, and people will use the same clip from a song and then do certain things to it. That So you start to kind of see different perspectives on something. Yeah. Um, and it's it, Todd, honestly, it's kind of mind numbing, mm-hmm. which is enjoyable. Well, and also, I'm guessing people are listening to that who like TikTok are saying that's like saying YouTube is boring. Like exactly, you, there's yeah. a billion yeah, million things out there. Now, I, will, I just googled 14 best TikTok challenges for you to try ASAP. Tell me if you've heard of these, sweetie. Sure. The food dance. Nope. The boyfriend girlfriend application. Nope. I'm grateful you're mine. Last kiss. This California girls dance. Well, this is outdated. Oh, like, it is? Well, you just Googled that. That's what came up. I understand. But what I'm saying is that 
there's a new challenge. And challenge doesn't always mean like do something risky. Mm-hmm. It just means follow this pattern. Yeah. So people will... So one thing that I'll tell you about TikTok that's been interesting is the amount of artists that have broken through because mm-hmm. of TikTok. Because they will put their music on TikTok. Someone will use a portion of it yeah. for what we would call, in air quotes, a challenge. And everybody uses it. And then it becomes popular. And now on... XM Sirius Radio channel There's four a is a channel. TikTok channel. Yeah. yeah, so it's all the songs that have gotten popular on TikTok. Okay, um, what else is I going to say about TikTok? Um, that's all right. On the next topic, yes. you ready? So this is um, I just and tell me if if I've already talked about this, let me know. Um, my our oldest daughter went to college in the fall, and I three or four times said I feel like I may have talked about this. Okay. I miss JC when the four of us are together. So one kid left left for college. Correct. The four of us are together. The mm-hmm. remaining family members are eating dinner. Mm-hmm. And I would say a lot with a lot of consistency, I miss JC. Correct. And my other two daughters, and maybe even you, yeah, me too. were getting annoyed at that. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, I'm just like, we're, I, I'm just telling you what I think. I miss my daughter. But now I have some appreciation, not now, I've actually, I came up, I finally got it Mm -hmm. about a month ago, Mm -hmm. but I think I forgot to talk about it on the podcast. The way they interpreted that, or the way you tell me if you interpret it that way is you're not focusing on the right thing, or you're not focusing on who's in front of you, or dad loves JC better, or dad, um, you know, every time... I say I miss the other kid. They're like, well, what about us? Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to like own that. And now I understand it. And you helped me with language like a month ago saying, I'm instead of saying I miss JC, say I'm so glad we're together right. or something like that. So think about the difference. Like it, it, the thing is, is it, it was two things. It wasn't, there was no concern of you love JC more. Yeah. That wasn't a concern of mine. And, and I don't think you're. And before you finish, I just want to say, um, the way that I, um, the what I was trying to say was, I love it when the five of us are together, but it landed like I don't. It's not as good when the four of us are together. So exactly, like it is. I told. Uh, well, we'll talk about that in a second. I think that the things that it would do mm-hmm. when you do it is we'd all be having a good time mm-hmm. and you would say, I miss JC, which your other two daughters are like, oh my God, we're right here. Yeah. And and to me, I'm like, buzzkill. Like, of course we all miss JC. Like we all miss her every time we're having a good laugh or like we have to share that with her. When she came home at Christmas, we were like trying to get her up to date on all the inside jokes. You know, yeah. it's like, of course we miss her. It's a given. It's we totally are a different unit of four mm-hmm. than we were of five. We're still a five, sure. but she just doesn't live here right now. Yeah. So, so it was twofold. It was, this is, you're totally bringing us down. Yeah. And number two, you're missing, you're not paying attention to what's in front of you. Like your daughter is telling you a story, your youngest, and you're like, oh, I miss JC. Mm-hmm. What, you're saying to her, basically, this isn't enough, mm-hmm. you know? And so they were really good about saying, dad, yeah. you're kind of missing the people who are here. Like they were very literal. And, and I also felt like, and you tell me this is the part I want to get to, is I almost felt like you felt bad if we were having fun. Oh, there's probably some... Uh, yeah. We just had brunch, the four of us. Yeah. And 
I, it's not that I feel bad, but I feel like something is missing. Well, and the thing is, is she's never like, this is where I, I stand back and take a really broad perspective. Mm -hmm. We are not a complete family unless JC is there. Yeah. But right now, JC's at college, and I want her to be building a family of friends. Sure. Which that drives the girls crazy when I say that too. I'll be like, JC's, you know, her friends are becoming like family. Why and are like, they no. Why, why? Oh, because they're like, we're her family. Oh, got it. It's just the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, got it. what I'm trying to say is she's finding people she can depend on in the world, and that is amazing to me as her parent. Mm -hmm. That is exactly where she should be. When JC calls and says, oh my God, I'm having the most amazing time. I love my friends. I'm not like, do you love me? Yeah. Like, of course you should be doing that. Sure. And when I am here at home with your sisters and your dad, three people you love, I am taking care of them yeah. and I am making sure they feel loved. So you go out and get loved. We'll love each other up. And then when you come home, we're all loving together. So the broad picture is this is not, there's room for all of it. What's interesting is a few years ago, um, I don't know if it was one of your friends or maybe it was you who said this. Um, you know, when our kids are babies and then they turn two and then you have another baby, it's you're born. It's a new family. Correct. You start all over. You start mm -hmm. all over. Mm -hmm. You have to like reshuffle mm -hmm. who Dynamics carries what change. energy. Yep. And I'm now realizing the other side of that yep. is one of our kids is off to college and it's like a new family again. Correct. We like are, we've never been a unit without JC. Correct. Literally. Like Literally. We, you and I and JC have been a unit. Yes. You and I and Cameron and JC have been a unit. And then you and I and JC and Cameron and Skyler have been a unit. But now they're, it's cutting the other way. And we've never done it without her as the oldest kid. What's interesting is when our middle daughter goes off, because she'll, she'll go off to college in know, a year and a half, we will be another unit. Correct. It'll be me, you, and Skyler. Yes. Which is kind of interesting in a from a balance perspective because Skylar never got to be with us alone. Yeah. Alone. So Cameron's really the only one who gets like doesn't get to be the only kid. Or gets the most about the uh, best the of benefit. both worlds. Yeah. You yeah. you can look and that's the thing is like I don't sit like we were at brunch this morning and the four of us are together and I don't sit there and think to myself, Oh, JC should be here. She shouldn't. Mm -hmm. She's at college and she's in our family still includes JC and she's still there in our stories. She's still there. Like, it's kind of like when you and I go out on a date, I'm not like, oh, we should always be with the mm -hmm. kids because no, we shouldn't. Like we all have lives. Right. And I think the more we can like, I feel like there's a gripping sometimes with like- Holding on tight. Holding on tight. Yeah. Like we can't have fun, the four of us, because that's not fair to her. And it's like, it's not fair to her to not mm -hmm. have fun because she needs to know we're okay. Yeah. I want to know she's okay. Yeah. And the idea that she can only be okay yeah. if it's our five-person family is not good for the future. Well, coming back from Captain Obvious, it, I just want to say to any parents out there that haven't had their kid leave the home yet for like college or whatever... It, it is weird how we, you know, this person who showed up 18 years ago, lived under our roof for 18 years, mm -hmm. and then she goes away. It, it was, we talked about how sad it was when we dropped her off because of the symbolism and what it means. But then it gets back to, yeah, this is our life. Like, this is what happens. And I feel like... Like, and I don't know if you feel this way. You may still be a little more in the in the grief of yeah. the loss. 
I talk to her all the time. Yeah. I see she's been home. She was home for a month. Yeah. Like last week she was here. Yeah. And she came home for Maddie's wedding. She came home for fall break. She was with us for a week for Thanksgiving. Like I, of course, miss her and I continue to grieve the passage of time, yeah. which means that it's time for her to be an adult. But I feel JC everywhere. Mm. Like I don't, I don't, I mean, there are times I walk by her room and I'm like, oh. Do you miss any of the dependent, you know, when she was born, she was 100% dependent on you. Mm -hmm. Like food, everything. Mm -hmm. Us, but you. And um, do you miss that she's, I mean, of course we're going to celebrate her independence, but do you, I, it's just weird to think that she doesn't need us in the way that she used to. Well, and you're saying that, but four days ago, she and I were on a really long phone call because she needed help. Understood. So like, I I don't want her to be dependent on me in the way she was as a kid because that wouldn't be good. Of course not. Like right. she should be functioning as an adult, yeah. you know, but when her heart is broken or when she's struggling with, should I take this class, mom, mm. or I'm not quite sure, you know, I might run for this office, I might do this. And she's asking for support, opinion, advice, or just someone to talk to. Right. She does. And I'm always here. And that's kind of how our relationship has evolved, has evolved yeah. as it to me as it should be. So I don't want to make this too clean. Like, I don't have grief or sadness. I just feel like it's where it's supposed to be. Agreed. I don't have a feeling of uh, something else should be happening or I'm missing something. Like, JC should be... She shouldn't be here. She shouldn't I be here. I completely agree with you. Yeah. And it sucks. And you miss her. Right. Yeah. And that's why I get excited. Like, we have already... We're going to do spring break and we are. she is going to join us for mm -hmm. spring break, which, you know, a lot of times you're like, this is our last spring break together. That's what I thought last year. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. We're going on spring break together this year and she'll be home for her regular spring break. So sure. in the next month and a half, we're going to have JC again for mm -hmm. two weeks. Yeah. And... I see, as far as our relationship with her, she's going to travel. My my girl is going to go all over the world, places I've never been, because that's what she wants to do. But I know she will always come home mm -hmm. in, you know, whatever that looks like, if that's for months at a time or if that's for weekends at a time. But I feel very confident in our relationship. Well, and if you want to switch to your topic, but I have one other tangent that may sabotage what you want to talk about. You know, the old, not the old saying, but you hear all the time, if you have daughters, they'll come back. And mm -hmm. if you have sons, they'll bail. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any truth in there? Uh, gosh, I think bail is a strong word. Yeah, um, I don't know what the words are, yeah. but you, you get the, the gist. I think if we're just going to talk societal conditioning, mm -hmm. um, we can call this good, wrong, bad, whatever. But I think women or girls are societally conditioned to care for people in their family. Not everybody, there are exceptions, but there is something to a lot of women I have worked with are the ones who take care of ailing parents. And I have heard a lot of stories about brothers who don't show up or partners who don't show up for their own parents and the the in-law, like the, That's their what I was wife say. is taking care of their parents. I'll take it a step further. And it's not even like sick family members. Mm -hmm. It's the women, the females. Are the communicators. Will set up Christmas. Correct. With yes. with the husband, like with my like with my family. Uh -huh. And I don't know if I'm guilty of this or not. I'm sure I'm guilty at least 
to a degree, but I always find it interesting. And there's two people in my life that I'm thinking of is the woman will be in much closer contact with her husband's parents, parents mm-hmm. than he is. Right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. very common. Did that happen with us? Sweetie, do you uh, want to start talking to my dad more? <laughs> you know what? Okay. So initially when we were engaged and getting married, your mom called me all mm-hmm. the time. Yes. And your dad didn't call me, but your got we we don't need to go through this. But your dad was helpful in me setting boundaries very early. <laughs> That's such a nice way, right? To say. Right? Sure, of course. So you you know, I, and I think we've shared this on the show. But Todd and I lived in Chicago, and Todd bought a two flat. And before we got married, I moved in with Todd, and we were on the top floor. And then Todd told me his dad is going to move in below yes. us. Not only that, your dad's going to move in, but that this had always been your plan? Um, probably, I think, and there's probably a lot of layers to it, but one of them was I was terrified of being a landlord. Yeah. So like, I don't know how to do a rental agreement. It was, that was like my stepping stone into Mm -hmm. being a landlord. So we had a lot of opportunity to, um, have, to figure out how we were going to negotiate you know, when it came to your family sometimes, but it all worked out wonderfully. I feel very connected to your dad and Mm -hmm. I felt very connected to your mom and I love them both very much. And Mm -hmm. I love your sister very much. Like it's all, and your brother and Mm -hmm. Kathleen and my nieces, like we've really got an amazing family on your side, you know, and on my side, like we've really kind of, it's been great. Um, But I think that, yes, initially, but I also think that was so long ago, like that we've been married now 20 years. So that was a long time ago. Um, But what I will say is that those, my sister and I just took my mom to a neurology appointment. My mom has uh, dementia and my sister and I take her to appointments often together. Um, My sister does it more often, but a lot of times I join her. And there was a woman that actually approached my sister I wasn't there, but she said to my sister, when you're, when I walked in and we were, you know, hugging my mom and talking to my mom about everything, this woman was like, I got teary. She goes, because I took care of my mom Mm. and my brothers never showed up Mm. and I was alone. And so she's like, so I had two girls and I'm just so great. You know, this woman was saying this. Now, do I think that it is true that girls are going to take, like the idea that girls will take care of you and boys won't, that's not true at all. I think men and boys can show up in amazing ways for their parents. But like, if if we had to make a generality, it would be that girls are more connected and nurturing. And I don't think it's biological. I do think it is societal. Societal conditioning. conditioning. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. a man. But like, think about my nephew. Think about Max. He would never bail from being there for his parents. And, you know, he never. And you and your brother have Mm -hmm. not bailed from being there for your dad or when your mom. So there is a, but, you know, it's like a work in progress, right? Put it this way. In our life, I can't think of, including me, Any husbands who have a better connection or a more consistent connection with his wife's parents than she does. Yeah, that almost seems funny, doesn't it? I can't think of any. And off the top of my head, I can think of two using the other argument. Right. Two families. And sometimes, Todd... That can be driven, like, for example, initially when we were getting engaged, your mom would call me mm-hmm. about engagement, about wedding. She wouldn't go to you because 
her societal conditioning sure. is to go to me. So it's all it's not it's hard to differentiate who's it coming from. And it's probably a little bit of both. A little bit but of you're both. right. Yeah. I think that if you were born in the forties or the fifties, you were you were taught that this is how to do it. And right. and the women need to huddle and the men need to go watch football or go to work or whatever it is. Right, so. right. Yeah, it's a, it's, and that's why I'm saying it's a work in progress because I think we have a lot of people in our life who we'd say, no, no, it's balanced, sure. it's even, the boys, would sh- the men would show up, the women would show up. And then when you go back and look, it's like, well, it's been, we've been getting there. Like yeah. we've been talking, that's a part of emotional labor. It's a part of expectation. It's a part of balance in the family and the ability to talk about it because we can really... You know, if you're stuck in kind of an old pattern of being, if you are, and I'll be gender specific, if you are a woman who is taking care of your your partner's parents, mm-hmm. are you bringing that up? Are you suggesting maybe this, I don't mind being a part of this, of course. Why am I carrying the load? But why am I carrying the load? Yeah. And, and I think that the ability to question it moves us along. Yeah, agreed. You know? So, but no, I think we are good at... Um, you know, you're close to my family. I don't know. Like, I think we're, you know. Well, and this is one sample size. Yeah. I, I, we we're trying to like, I was asking from the terms of generalities. Exactly. So, yeah. And then there are people like, uh, not to, uh, I'm opening another can of worms, but I'm not going to go way down here. It's like, I have girlfriends who they married into a family that was um, very challenging and like their partner doesn't even speak to certain people in the family. You know, like mm-hmm. there's so many scenarios sure. here and- Um, but bottom line is that our hope is that we develop relationships with our children, regardless of gender. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, now we have a different, even we look at gender differently than we did 20 years ago. You know, many of us are, you know, many people I know are raising children who are non-binary. And so we can't be like, well, will you take care of your parents? Like it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Gender is becoming more fluid and it's really about the connection with our children and have we set up a plan? Oh, you want to go down that track, but like, do we talk about these things? End of life planning, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I feel like those are things that not now when our kids are little necessarily, we talk to adults, but as they get older, these are things we have to discuss with them. Sooner the better. I know. Like death is a thing. It's a thing. Todd, did you know death was a thing? (laughs) I'm going to, that'll be the title of the podcast. (laughs) Death is a thing. Yeah. Okay. So what I wanted to do today, Mm -hmm. just kind of skipping ahead is one of my absolute favorite, um, people that I follow on Instagram is Adam Grant and Adam Grant is a writer and a professor, um, at Wharton school of business, I believe. And he is, um, you know, he's a thought leader, like in the definition of what a thought leader means, Mm -hmm. like he is someone, his, uh, latest book was called think again, it's uh, it's a wonderful book about how we can unlearn and the willingness to unlearn because there's unlearning and then there's stepping back from that and being like, are you even willing to question what mm-hmm. you think you know? Mm-hmm. So he does these awesome posts on Instagram that I always love and um, he just kind of makes you think about things maybe you haven't thought about. And I wanted to share two or three, four. I actually saved five of them okay. for this, but I wanted to share them with you and kind of see what you think. Okay. So again, these are from Adam Grant. Um, you can go to his Insta or his Facebook and you can see a new one, I think every day. So here's one. Picking someone as your role model in life sets unrealistic expectations. Mm. Eventually you'll learn they don't belong on a pedestal. 
It's better to admire people for specific strengths. It reminds you they have weaknesses too. Knowing they have vices puts their virtues in reach. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that one because you and I over the years have really struggled with these things. Sure. Um, making one human being into this like idealized figure. And then when they drop the ball, either in the way they talk to us or something we find out about their past or, you know, something that happened in their marriage or something that, you know, all of a sudden we're like, well, then everything's over. I have no Mm -hmm. relationship with them anymore. Like today's MLK day. That's it's coming out tomorrow. This podcast, we're taping it on MLK. We can know about MLK's infidelity and we can know about some, you know, challenges in his own relationships mm-hmm. or family and still acknowledge the effect that he had on sure. society and the effect he continues to have on society and we don't have to throw everything away. Mm-hmm. And I think in our culture, our binary culture of someone's good or bad, mm. we forget um that everybody has flaws. It's so funny you're bringing this up. Why? Because in um, we were having the conversation about mentorship uh, this weekend at the mm-hmm. men's weekend, uh, role models, mentors, and the term that a few of my friends use are was, they called it a kingslayer. And the idea is, in in certain groups, certain people look up to certain people, mm-hmm. and then the the minute that the people that are looking up to that person, you realize that they're human because they share something vulnerable or they share some of their own flaws mm-hmm. that they instantly want to slay the king, mm-hmm. which means you. the minute you realize they're... And I think this is what you just said. Mm-hmm. I'm just using it um, maybe with different language. The minute that the person realizes that they're not everything that that they thought they were, mm-hmm. they want to like tear them apart in right. a weird way. Right. And I just, I, I don't understand why that is. Well, I think that it's because we project a lot of our hopes and dreams about who we can be on mm-hmm. other people. So we idealize other people and say, I'm going to be just like you and you're the person I'm going to like model myself after. And then we find out that that person is also human um, and has flaws and maybe has a history that, you know, part of the reason they got to be who they are is because of their history. Sure. Yet we hold them like, you know, lock and key in this history and say, you did this, so therefore you can't be a good person. And we, it's almost like when we see they have flaws, then we unfortunately have to see that we have flaws Mm -hmm. and we want an idealized version of ourselves. And, um, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like a mirror. Yeah. So if, if, if I aim to be this person, the reason I realize he's not that person or she's not that person then it it upsets the whole the whole system, and then we have to look at ourselves, yeah. and then we're like, wait a second, I'm trying to achieve, mm-hmm. I'm trying to achieve this space that I think you fill, and then I find out that you are not everything that the idealized version of you that I wanted it to be, and now you've, um, I feel smaller because of that. So it's interesting. Because I remember another one of my teachers, I was taught, or I, I think I said to the guy, this is early in my Mankind Project days, I said, oh, I look up to you. And he's like, I, I, I don't really appreciate that term. And he said, you could say things like, you know, um, I inspire, you know, that I inspire you, but mm-hmm. to look up to is not language that landed. Thank you. And what's interesting, though, that he didn't say, but you just said through Adam Grant is don't even focus on the person 
focus on, on the, the qualities. Traits, the qualities, right. Like my favorite uh, emails that I get from people when they're like, Kathy, thank you for using words to say something that I couldn't say. Mm -hmm. Greatest compliment ever, because mm -hmm. that's what I love to do, yeah. right? So they're not saying, Kathy, and, and emails that are like um, too, like, uh, giving too much credit where I'm, I kind of, I'm like, I can't hold that. Mm -hmm. Like, cause that's not true. Yeah. Like there is no, and if you're like, well, I want to do the way things, the way you do that might be like, but how would you even do that? Cause you don't even know. Like if you like something that I said or a specific thing I did, that's a compliment I can hold. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by hold? Sure. Like I can take it in yeah. and be like, thank you. But if someone's like, I wish I could be you. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, and I haven't, no one said that specifically to me, but I'm just being extreme. Mm -hmm. I wish I could be you or, you know, like you actually, I don't know if I should bring this up, but you were saying something about, um, you know, a long time ago, mm -hmm. somebody said something to you like, you know, you're the one who did this. Yeah. Right. And you and I were having a deep talk and, and a good thing, like yeah. you did a good thing and they were giving you all this credit. Sure. Like you're the one who did this. And the truth is you couldn't hold it mm -hmm. because there were a lot of people that yeah. led to this thing. Right. And so they're trying to give you a compliment. If you did all these things mm -hmm. and you're like, well, I kind of didn't. Mm -hmm. I played a role mm -hmm. that allowed this to unfold. Yeah. But instead, if they could say, if they could just say you, what the words you just said to me made me feel good. Yeah. Oh, I can hold that. Sure. Or the, your ability to connect with mm -hmm. other people, I really admire. Sure. Oh, I can hold that. Yeah. So I think that we kind of have to look at ourselves and realize what kind of compliments can we take in? Yeah. And then we give those kind of, or there are some narcissists who want to be good at everything. You know what I mean? Right. And that usually stems from fear and right. not being brave. Well, and power. Power. Like I'm better than you. Um, and yeah, I, it's so funny. Like we're all human beings, whether you are we're all human beings and I have a tendency. I don't, I'm not as bad at it as I used to be, but I would like hold people up on pedestals mm -hmm. in an unhealthy way. And I, the term that I have been, uh, that some people have brought to my awareness is that I'm one upping people mm. like as if they're better than me. Mm -hmm. And the w weird part about that is when you one up people, you probably one down people too. Oh, like, you're, you're in judgment mode. I am they're better than you. Correct. So, yeah, and I don't know. I wish I was smart enough to say. So this is what you need to do to make sure you never one up or one down people. I think that it's kind of a human behavior thing Correct. that we 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 want to be inspired by others, mm -hmm. and we probably our ego is good at saying, "Oh, I'm better at dodgeball than you are, so you are less than I am," is in regards to playing dodgeball or writing books or podcasting. So well, it's it's a normal thing. It right? is like judgment is very normal, and the the advice that I would always give to someone who's like, "Oh, I do this," or "I judge." It's like, just notice that mm -hmm. and recognize what you are looking for because there's so much information in judgment, jealousy, envy, resentment. There's so much info mm -hmm. in there. And that's why you have those feelings is your body and your mind is trying to give you some kind of information about yourself. Yeah. So you're more aware, right? Sure. Like it's all for your benefit. Even though the feelings can be yucky sure. and uncomfortable, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think when you're like, I, I one up somebody or whatever... And you're like, I hold them. What is it that they have or are doing that you admire? And be very specific about yeah. it. Because you may find out other aspects of their life. You're like, oh, God, mm -hmm. that's not something that I admire. Sure. But I admire this skill set. And it allows me to hold them as a peer and also be 
um, inspired, but then not to have the the Kingslayer thing where if I then find out that they everything that I thought that I just drop them. Yeah, like we have to have a very nuanced. Um, wide perspective True. on human beings. Yeah. Like, like I said, the the human beings that I tend to really admire because I've seen a big body of their work, mm. or like I've read all their books, and so my admiration. Part of it is in specific things like their writing ability, sure. but often it's they really were going in a really weird direction mm-hmm. or a difficult direction or a or a unsafe direction, yeah. and they turned it around. And I admire the, they noticed, they became aware, they stopped behaviors, they got help, they went to AA, they, um, you know, went to therapy. And I'm like, I admire. So if I were to say, well, you needed AA, I don't admire, that. that's right. ridiculous. Right. That's part of the story of how they came to be who they are. Mm. So I, I think that, so, so let's say in real time right now, let's say someone that you hold in admiration came out and said, actually, I'm struggling with an addiction mm-hmm. or I made a poor choice or would you be like, could you see it as a piece of their bigger story sure. Right. where like five years from now, you may be in such admiration for the work they did. Sure. You know? So anyway, that's kind of the way I look at it. Are you All ready right. for the next one? Let's hear it. Okay. So let's see. I have so many good ones. Um, okay. I like this one because this is a good parenting one to remember when people are down, they don't want to hear cheer up, pushing them to be positive invalidates their emotions. They don't want to be told how to feel. They want to know you care about how they feel. The goal isn't always to feel better. Sometimes it's just to be understood. Okay. Adam Morton or Adam Morton, (laughs) that's the school he went to. Adam Grant is not... He, he usually speaks about businesses, companies, organizations. He is also a parent, so he may be looking at this as a parent. But I really think he's talking about people he works with, mm-hmm. too, is that people really just want to say a way that they experienced something. And the more you try and tell them that they should be experiencing it differently, the further you push them from Sure. You. Yeah, and like I feel like this is like empathy 101 uh-huh. is – Thank you for sharing. Or just, you right. know, keep it simple. And and we have a tendency to try to cheer people up because mm-hmm. we feel uncomfortable when somebody that we care about mm-hmm. feels uncomfortable. So we're really just trying to console ourselves, but we're doing it through the lens of somebody else. So it's, right? Yeah. And, and I think that, you know... Um, like the language is so important because sometimes this is so uncommon for us. We haven't done this a lot. So we do say things like, thank you for sharing, which is good in a book. Mm -hmm. But like really if the girls were telling you a story, like they came home from school and they're like, you're not going to believe what happened today. Mm -hmm. And then they told you a story. I don't think you would say thank you for sharing. I think you would say, oh my gosh. And you would like join them. Well, and another phrase I think is good, and you know, maybe it's from a book I read, but it works. That makes sense to me. I say that all the time. That's a good, that's totally a good, makes sense. Right? And it's about how you say it, you guys. Like, I know sometimes it, you know, it's not like you have to practice or be, you just got to be yourself, but talk like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Like when Todd's saying that sentence, that makes sense to me. Don't be like, that makes sense to me. Just be like, oh my gosh, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like all you're trying to say to them is your frustration I understand it. I may be old enough to understand why it's not necessary. I may look at your experience and say, well, you were kind of annoying too, 
but I'm not going to put all that on you right now. I am just going, because sometimes we're like, yeah, but I have a different opinion about this. Right. And for something, for to be able to say that makes sense to me, you really need to go into it, be in their shoes. Exactly. Because, you know, if my 16 year old is complaining about something and I know that there's all these different wrinkles or elements to it, but the only reason I know that is because I was 16, 30 some odd yeah. years ago. I can say, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. All you got to do is this and this and this, or why didn't you do that instead or whatever? But if I can view the world through a 16-year-old lens, you can say with authenticity, that totally makes sense to me. Totally makes sense to me. And you can say it like just from the way Todd just described, like you don't have to be your 50-year-old self. Sure. Just go 16 in your mind and be like, that totally makes sense That's to me. That's really hard to do. It is, especially when we're concerned... Because we want to fix about them. their well-being, yeah. and especially like I've had times where you know the girls, all three of them, maybe it's been there's so many things they're mm. upset about, or or I'm mean, gonna use the word complaining, not to be disparaging, but like they have a lot of complaints, right. and sometimes you want to be like, oh my god, lift it up, mm-hmm. like look somewhere else. But I have found through experimentation and curiosity that they're a lot more open to that next sentence that we want to say, like, here's a way to look at it differently. If we first just say that makes sense because then the conversation, they're like, okay, I feel validated. This person is like seeing me. And then there's like space where they, sometimes it's very literal. Like they'd be like, well, what are you going to, what would you do about it? So then the door is open or the conversation continues and we can share a story and they're open to our story. Um, but when we're constantly in teaching mode and acting like we've never felt the way they've felt, mm-hmm. I think it's very invalidating. Do you have any other good phrases? Um, and this is me wanting tools. Mm-hmm. Other than that makes sense to me, is there another one that you can think of that kind of carries the same emotion? I tend to do things like, oh my gosh, you're kidding. What else happened? Mm. Or like, I just kind of keep it going. Or what did they say? Or, you know, they'll tell me a story and they'll be like, can you believe this? And I'll be like, well, what did they do after? So all I'm doing is I'm not necessarily even validating. I'm just demonstrating that I'm listening. Yes, right. Like, take me to the next step. And then they'll be like, okay, well, Mm. then they said this. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can understand why that was a struggle. So this is why, like, Communicating with our kids is no different than communicating with any other human. Sure. Like, we don't need parenting language. We need human being language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we don't, when, pe- when parents are like, how do I say this this way? I'm like, why don't you just communicate like you would any other human? I know, but the, we, you and I have talked about this forever. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. And you know what? When because I'm... we are. And that's why we're listening to a podcast, reading a book. Right. We To do it any other, like... This is how I do it. And my kid is slamming the door on me. Let's do something different. You're right. And even the way I said that made it sound like I always do it correctly. And I Mm. don't. Meaning because sometimes I say something like my kid is so done and I'll say, and then what else happened? Mm. And then they're like, mom, I'm done. So I'm not saying that my, what I do in every situation is the best line of communication. Like I don't always read the yeah. situation perfectly sure. either. Um, or you get reactive just like the rest I of I get us. reactive yeah. just like everybody else. I think what I mean is instead of judging the question that people are asking, I will just instead say there is no parenting voice you need to inhabit. Sure. Um, you can just be someone who loves somebody and what do they need in the moment? And it would maybe be the same way you'd talk to a friend. Yeah, and I, I think 
one other thing I'll add, and then we'll go to your next one. We're 51 minutes in, by the way. So pick your favorite one. And the next okay. one is um, just do something different. Yeah, I think a lot of us too. get stuck like, oh, my, my 12-year-old, he's driving me nuts. And then like they tell you the story and then you realize they're doing the exact same thing, you know, the definition of insanity. And I'm always like, just mix it up. Try something different. If you if you're used to making a sarcastic comment, get really serious. If you're used to being really serious, be silly. Like just do anything different just as like an experimentation of just trying something new. And that's hard to do because these patterns that we uh, end up doing is a result of years and years and years of conditioning. So exactly. And... You know, sometimes we spend our lives with the same people, you know, we're our parents, if they're still living and our partner and our friends and they're like all the same. And so we kind of, like you said, we develop patterns that we're like, this works, this works, this works. Mm -hmm. And then these new people come into our lives and not only are they our children, so we feel so accountable to them and we're so in love with them, but then they're also changing and growing. And so yeah. the things we use when they're four don't work when they're six, they yeah. don't work when they're 10. So we're constantly having to, a lot of our relationships are really static, like mm -hmm. they don't change. And our relationship with our kids does because yeah. we have to be able to stand back or move in or be quiet or speak up. And it's constantly changing. And I think what adults are really asking when they're saying, how do I talk to my kid about this? Is they're saying, the question they're saying is, do I have to like work at this sure. again? Yeah. And the bottom line is yes. Like you have to keep trying new things. There mm -hmm. is no end. Mm -hmm. And there really shouldn't be with your partner either yeah. or other people you love in your life. Like really you should always be, we sh we're always evolving. Yeah. So our communication is always evolving. And if we accept that rather than believe there is one way, and if we do it that one way, then we got it. Yeah. There is no one way. Yeah. Um, actually, I just got an email from somebody who said that that was something, you know, talk about a specific compliment. She said she was struggling with something and she said, I keep thinking about how you guys say there is no one way to parent. And she goes, and it helps me get through each day because mm. I don't feel like I have to like adhere to a certain style. Yeah. And that gives kind of her came space. to the wrong place if you're looking for a style. Exactly. Yeah. There's, you know, the style is connection, mindfulness, self-awareness, and, you know, whatever. What's our other Self -compassion? one? Self-compassion? Compassion. Compassion. So right, here's the last one. one. Okay. And it's, yeah. yeah. Todd likes to tell me the time. So, oh, JC keeps FaceTiming us. Oh. She, she's not FaceTiming me. Does that mean she loves you more than me? No, but she's FaceTiming. Okay, last one. Kids who are taught to keep a stiff upper lip become adults who hide their suffering. Appearing composed doesn't mean they aren't hurting. They might be reluctant to show vulnerability or impose it on others. The emotions people express aren't always a clue to the pain they feel. It's called being a man. <laughs> And and it can be very non-gendered. Of course. Um, of course. It's just the conditioning that we're growing up with is don't ever let them see a week. Yeah. And, and I think what's most important about that is, like you said, we can talk about the man box or how we tell children, you know, cheer up, you know, mm -hmm. same kind of thing and to not show their emotions. But I think sometimes we do things like, um, you know, oh, my kid they didn't have a reaction when they got a shot yeah. or, you know, they fell off, you know, they ran to first base and slid and then they were so composed and it, they don't feel pain. They don't experience it. And of course they do. Yeah. And maybe in certain situations where it's like socially, um, appropriate. Pro and, and again, appropriate is a strong word. Cause that means it's correct. Mm -hmm. It's socially typical yeah, there you go. to 
not cry or to not demonstrate pain or whatever we like somehow take where we feel we beam with pride. Mm -hmm. Like, look at how my kid is taking all this pain. Mm -hmm. But let's really think about that. Right. Yeah, and I'm because I just came off this weekend. We did something on the archetypes of the four. Carl Jung. He had, I think, Jung had like eighteen, or I don't. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of archetypes, Mm -hmm. but the ones that we focus on are uh, sovereign, which is you know kind of the one that has that's purpose driven and kind of an all knowing and calm energy. And then magician is when we're in our head, and lover is when we feel our feelings, and warrior is action when you Mm -hmm. take action. And it's all about the integration. Yeah. There's times when it's probably not best to show that you're hurt. Correct. As long as you can call on your lover or your feeling energy mm-hmm. yeah. to make sure that you do feel it. There's, there's, Of course, there's times when it's probably not a good idea. It's all about balance. So, Well, it is. And like, you know, listen to this again. You know, kids who are taught to keep a stiff, stiff upper lip become adults who hide their suffering. So a lot of times we take a lot of, we think we did something good in parenting if our kid is like, no, I'm fine. I'm not hurt. I'm fine. And we're like, aren't they great? And it's like, what they've learned is to not share. Now there's the other extreme of a kid, like I said, who's just like, oh, everything's hard. Everything's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my God, get a stiff upper lip. Like there's always a place in the middle, but this is the most important part. Appearing composed doesn't mean they aren't hurting. Mm-hmm. And this is the truth about adults. This is a truth about like, just because someone is composed, they might be reluctant to show their vulnerability or they don't want to impose it on you. I can't tell you how many times in my history, and I still do this when people say, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm mm-hmm. great. And I'm not, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I want to put it into this situation. I don't. And part of that is socially appropriate. Yeah. Like my needs are not necessary here. And part of it is like a sense of you people are more important than me. Well, isn't that the, the Brene stuff where people need to earn the right to hear your story? Yes, and definitely. the story could be feeling feelings definitely. and everything else. I mean, there are, and that's a whole nother thing of who do you want to share this with? But a lot of times it's less about, oh, we're just having a social thing. Are you okay? And it's more like, say a bunch of people got hurt at once and someone's saying, is everybody okay? And you're like, no, no, I'm fine. Take care of these other people. And you are hurting too, but you're somehow not. Well, and the one thing when I thought, when you talked about the kid scraping up his knee or, um, and he, he doesn't cry and a parent like positively reinforces that he's tough. Mm -hmm. Like that's that, that kid, boy, girl, whatever is going to continue to want to please their parents and continue to do that same pattern of behavior, which is, oh, I, if I don't show my feelings, I get praised for it. And could a kid, and again, I know you're going to say this doesn't work, but let's say it this way. Could a kid get their ears pierced or get a shot or something like that and have tears, but still be super brave in the process? I think it's more brave to feel your feelings. And that's kind of the thing is I think we're very focused on they got a shot, they didn't cry, they're brave versus they got a shot, they had feelings about that shot, it hurt and they were scared and they had a lot of anxiety going in and they had some tears and they were still brave. They're, brave is not... Well, and I would say they're smart enough to feel their feelings. Right. They're brave enough to feel their feelings. And I keep coming back to you know, being a man, but we are negatively reinforced on a daily basis to not show any sense of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Like like all the kids in Cobra Kai. <laughs> like the kids in Cobra Kai sometimes don't show how they feel. Like Robbie and Tori, but really they're experiencing a lot of pain. And Miguel yes. this season, I mean the pain 
Like he, we knew something was going on with Miguel at the beginning of the season. Sweetie, We're like, what's don't, going don't on with Miguel? Don't spoil I'm it. I'm not going to spoil anything, but you could tell he had three episodes where he cried. And I'm like, and I mean this in a positive way, like something's brewing in Miguel. And then what was going on with Sam? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you need to know more about life, just watch Cobra Kai. I want to play some YouTube clips, but he swears a lot, so we're not going to do that. You're talking about Johnny? Yeah, Johnny. Johnny. Our yeah. hero. Johnny, the humor of Cobra Kai is Johnny's not being current with- Living in the 80s. With uh, Yeah, he lives in the 80s still, so he doesn't have PC language. He's completely like inappropriate with the kids still, but not in a not in a scary way. Yeah, yeah. I mean like with his language. Yeah. And that is the humor um, because obviously Daniel is all up to speed. Well, kind of. I want to play this clip, but I won't. It's called Johnny Lawrence insulting people for six straight minutes. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the show notes. If anybody wants to watch Johnny Lawrence insult people for six straight minutes and laugh their butts off, just go ahead and click yeah, on the show Yeah, I think notes. everybody should just have a good time and watch Cobra Kai because it is the oddest combination of funny, of funny serious, endearing, drama, yeah. um, suspense, mm-hmm. and like sometimes little twists. Yeah. And it's so, it's so... It can't be the right word. Like they know that it's not, nothing in it is real. I don't know what that word is. I'm, I got to play a few of these though. Okay. I'll, I'll clip out the swears. Okay, I do. All right. Just quit bitching at me. <laughs> what did you just call me? No, 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 no. I didn't call her a bitch. I said she was bitching at me. <laughs> You're firing me because of that bitch? It's <laughs> really hard. You've gotten stronger, tougher, faster. You've done your best. You're ready for this tournament. Am I right? Yes, Sensei! Wrong! Have you seriously never owned a computer before? Yeah, I'm not a nerd. What's the problem, Mr. Diaz? No problem, Sensei. You, you punch me. I have asthma, so... Not anymore. We do not allow weakness in this dojo. So you can leave your asthma and your peanut allergies and all that other made-up shit outside. Is that understood? Oh, my God. That's he, only one minute of six. I don't understand why they don't give Billy Zabka another show. Like, I don't understand why he has not had another, especially this is four seasons of Cobra Kai. Well, and I've just heard that he's like the funniest, sweetest guy in real life. Really? Yeah. So anyway. Well, we know Ralph Macchio is the sweetest guy too. So it's he's, two sweet guys. He is sweet. Um, so maybe cut a few of those out. Yes, I will. Okay. Um, so just as a reminder, um, if you scroll below on the show notes, you can sign up for the summit for free. You can sign up for Zen Parenting Moment, which is a thing that I uh, write and it comes out every Friday, again, free. Or you can buy my book. Um, and then Todd has things there too. What do yeah. you have there, Todd? Well, we got lots of things. Just go to uh, Zen Parenting. Go to our resource page. That's the quickest Ooh. way to explain everything that we do. Zenparenting.com slash resources. That's like our Todd, our favorite page. We look at that page sometimes and we're like, yes. It's just one place that encapsulates everything, everything we're doing. Everything we do, yeah. So anyways, um, you ready for some music, sweetie? I'm ready. Uh, don't forget about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800, avico.net. Sign up for the summit. Keep talking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. Remember to register for our Zen Parenting Virtual Summit, where you will learn from 15 thought leaders and learn more about Kathy's book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. 
If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering my new book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. It's our new page where you can find everything we do in one place. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.